0: Hi everybody and welcome to Philly's Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne. I'm here along with uh, my good buddy, pal, director of fun and games, John Brazier. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm doing great, Tom. I'm very looking forward to the guests we're going to have on today.
0: Yeah, well, we're on a roll, right, John? I mean, we've had, uh, you know, kind of some really a lot of fun with our guests so far. We've had uh, Chrissy Long, our uh, director of entertainment. We've had Scott Brandreth, our director of merchandising. Uh, Dave Raymond, best friend of the Fanatic. Uh, and, Tom, it does help
1: that when we're doing this show, we're, we're usually interviewing somebody... That we have a collective of over 50 years' experience with that person because I've been here 25 years, you've been here longer, and chances are every person we've interviewed and per- probably who we're going to interview has been here at least 25 years. So well,
0: that's really nice, John. You've just uh, <laughs> set it up that we're going to be uh, introducing another old guest. Well, he's experienced. <laughs> we call it experienced experienced yes. guest. Uh, he uh, previously director of team travel and clubhouse service for a lot of years, and we'll get into uh, his background. Uh, real soon, but now he's basically consulting the uh, director of team travel and clubhouse services, and believe me, it's a very important job. Um, and an author. And an author who's written a book. It's Frank Kobenbarger is with us today. How you doing, Frank? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. You know? uh,
1: Frank, did you ever, first of all, I know we're going to get into it, but, but did you ever think that we'd, you'd be interviewed by us two guys that they basically had to change the travel policy and... Uh, <laughs> Due to a Colorado trip, and now you're being interviewed by these two knuckleheads. <laughs> two knuckleheads. I,
2: I'm really shocked. I'm being interviewed by John Brazier. To tell you the truth, because <laughs> the fact that I still have a job. Right. Burgoyne, on the other hand, yeah, yeah semi uh, he, he semi li- surprise.
1: Hey Frank, he was a little bit guilty on that trip too. Yeah, was,
2: he he played a part in a couple of them. I actually. do
0: remember that trip. That was. One we of will the, get into that later. That was really a lot of fun. That Colorado trip. I'm Glad
2: you guys were amused by
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Frank always is the one left holding the bag. You know, with a lot of this stuff, quite literally. But um, cleaning up the mess, Frank. I gotta tell you, I was uh, just—I knew you were coming down. We've known each other for uh, yep, close to 30 years, and um, I. But I still was kind of went online. I was looking up some things. I found a quote, and it was it was attributed to you. And you have to let me know if this is uh, your quote. There are a lot with your job. There are a lot of little details that become big ones if you forget one. And I thought about that, and I can only imagine uh, a little detail that, if you forget, becomes a big
2: problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely my quote. Oh my god! Uh, that kind of describes what I I did for a living for the last thirty years here, uh, for sure. Um, you know, the job I had—if if you every, everything's going right, it's kind of like being an umpire. I tell people you don't notice the umpires out there, so. If everything was going right in the clubhouse and the equipment, uh, everybody had a uniform and their name was spelled right and all those sorts of things, great. Uh, If the team got from one town to the next and the hotel and and, uh, the players all arrived from the minor leagues, all that sort of thing, then... uh, you're not really uh, noticed, but when something goes wrong, you definitely are well known.
0: Oh, I can only imagine. I'm sure uh the players let you know about it too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, most of them are pretty good, but there's always a voice or two that stands or or I should say you can hear above all the others. Yeah.
1: Now, now you got your start way back when in Decatur, Illinois, if I'm not uh
2: if I'm not mistaken. You were a uh, bat boy, right, in, in the Midwest League? That's correct. That's my hometown. And um, my grandparents lived a couple blocks from the ballpark. I'm an only child, so I spent most of my summers uh, with my grandparents. And uh, back in those days, you, you know, a kid could actually walk a few blocks from his house, and it was okay to do that. So I... I basically hung out at that ballpark from the time I woke up until it was time to go back home and eat lunch or dinner. Hmm. And I just got the bug for baseball and, and uh, I never dreamed I'd be working in baseball, you know, over 50 years later. So but, you continued uh, from that point on, you continued through baseball. Well, that was my summer job from the time I was in fifth grade till I graduated from high school. And then that, that was in 1974. Ironically, we lost our team at at the end of that season, and they tore our ballpark down. I was starting in college and never thought about doing baseball for a living. And a couple years into my college uh, career, due to my great grade point average, I started thinking about doing other things besides being a student. So I realized how much I missed baseball, and I, I decided I was gonna find a way to get back in. So uh, that was in 1977. So every year since 1967, except for the year '75 and '76, I've had some job in professional baseball.
0: Wow, that that is awesome. You start uh, the Cardinals. Was that your first big league uh, team in '81?
2: First big league team was in '81. The uh, I got lucky. I, I worked a couple years in the Angels minor leagues. Uh, in 77 and 78 and then a guy that was one of our coaches on the 08 team, Jimmy Williams was a manager in the Angels minor leagues and he was let go and immediately hired as the manager in Springfield, Illinois which was about 30 miles from my hometown and they were starting up a franchise there they, they didn't even have a clubhouse but they were looking for someone to take care of the equipment in the clubhouse, so I got a job with them, and uh, I got to meet some people that uh, that had a lot of influence on on my life. And one of them has a lot a lot to do with the Phillies. Lee Thomas was the minor actually when I met Lee, he was the traveling secretary of the Cardinals. Then he became the minor league director, and we got to know each other pretty well. And he was always coming to Springfield to check on the AAA guys. Got to know him, and um, then he became the Phillies general manager in the middle of the 88 season. And a few months later, he called me and offered me a job here as the equipment manager. So packed up and moved to Philly. And then ex- tell the listeners, what exactly is equipment manager? What what are their roles for that job? Well, equipment manager uh, basically operates and manages the clubhouse which is in baseball they call it a clubhouse every other sport is a locker room it's a it's a room it's kinda like part-time lounge locker area dressing area uh, my job was to not only manage that room but to also order every piece of equipment needed to play baseball whether it's uh, under the uniform the uniform itself bats balls helmets hats travel bags, and then to make sure that that was kept up with all year long and taken from one city to the next, pack and unpack, uh, you yeah, know, quite a job, actually. Baseballs, gum, sunflower seeds,
0: Gatorade cups, uh, you name it. Right? Everything.
2: All those small details. Yeah. You're right. Now,
1: you said it's almost like being an umpire or like an offensive lineman that you only notice them when something goes wrong. So, like, I'm sure that equipment's been delivered to the wrong uh, ballpark maybe or the equipment's been delivered to the wrong hotel or you know there are, there's got to be some mishaps down the road when it, that it doesn't go so <laughs> not smooth. under frank john well, Come on. well there's well, had to be a couple just one or two
2: well, well fortunately we got the equipment to every city but there there are times when things would come in that uh weren't correct for instance one day terry mulholland when he was pitching for us came up and said uh I don't know if you noticed, but my name's misspelled on my jersey. <laughs> That's oh. pretty embarrassing. So, so obviously, we, we fixed that right away. But uh, those those kinds of things happen, and uh, you try to minimize them. You know, my, my big deal was if we could get the player out on the field with his name and number, no matter how little notice it might have been, sometimes just a few minutes, then everything else could be taken care of. We could borrow shoes. We could borrow a glove. We could borrow a bat but it's pretty hard to borrow a jersey with somebody else's name so well
1: I'll tell you I'll tell you a story where Frank this will show that Frank has the ultimate respect amongst the players in the sense that this is back in uh, probably 1995 Ricky Botalico was uh, was our closer um, I believe that around that time yeah 96 and he would Ricky would always uh, he's he's got a lot of energy, so the the clubhouse itself couldn't contain Ricky Botalico, so our offices were all on the same service level as the clubhouse, so Ricky, in his full uniform an hour before the game. Would come into our offices and mess around. Everyone had little bobblehead dolls or I used to play hockey across the street at the Wells Fargo Center. So I used to keep my I can't believe I did this, I kept my hockey bag and sticks. And that hockey bag I mean, you think the fanatic stinks? That hockey bag is almost worse than the fanatic. But I kept it right up so he used to always come to my cubicle area and we'd play hockey. Everyone's working. We'd we you know have, find a uh, hallway down in the club out and, and we'd have a mylek ball, you know, the round ball. And one person played goalie, and the other person would shoot. Well, Ricky, again, is in full uniform, like nice, crisp, white uniform hour before the game, and it was my turn to shoot. So I took a snapshot. The ball kind of came up, rose a little quicker than I thought, much quicker than he thought. He got the alligator arms, couldn't get out of the way. It gets him right in the lip. His lip starts bleeding. The blood goes all down his uniform. And what does he say? He says, Frank's going to kill me. Frank's going to kill me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was he not worried about his lip. He was worried that Frank's going to kill him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Your, your office wasn't the only place he played hockey because we used to have a sofa in the middle of the clubhouse and one day when he was working on his slap shot, he had he happened to put the puck through the back of the sofa and put a gaping hole in it, I remember not being too happy with him that day. <laughs> well, and
0: that's, uh, you know, Ricky in 95, but Frank, when I think of uh, some of the experiences you've had, uh, and I always go back to 93, and I guess I wrote a book about that, uh, that team and uh, interviewed all the players, except for about two or three guys we couldn't find, but They all had Frank stories, and and really, we could have changed the the title uh, around of our book uh, to to really be the Frank Kobenbarger story, because there were so many many stories from that year because it was such a crazy group of guys. They were uh, all veterans. They knew this was kind of their last shot to uh, maybe win a a World Series, Um, and so they loved baseball. They loved hanging out in the locker room, and they would never leave, would they, Frank?
2: No, they definitely didn't leave. In fact, uh, it got to be so late at night and for a long period of time that I remember I finally went to Lee Thomas and said, we, we have to do something here because at the vet, you had to lock the door with a key, and then we had a chain and a padlock to like double lock the door, and I couldn't count on John Kruk or Lenny Dykstra or somebody like that to... To lock the door at night, so of course I couldn't really go home because I was responsible for all the, the stuff in the clubhouse, so we literally put a, a hole in the wall in Jim Fregosi's office and added a door so they could stay as late as they wanted and it would lock itself behind them. There were a
0: lot of challenges that year. I know that we were uh, last week. We talked to uh, Dave Raymond, and we were talking about '93, and uh, Danny Jackson would you know rip his jersey uh, a few fi- you know times a year, and you would have to you know put the buttons back or order a new Danny Jackson jersey. right? <laughs> you love
2: that, Frank. <laughs> well. <laughs> Back then, there weren't ordering too many jerseys. We, I was in the back room sewing the buttons on the next day. That's for sure. That's what was happening. But a lot of stuff, a lot of crazy things. And uh, that was sure an uh, interesting group that uh, the city definitely relates to.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you talk about the little details and maybe some of the demands the players might have. Now, that year, I, I remember, you know, uh, they, they would say Kruk would just – he, he was a slob basically right and uh you, you had to clean up after him quite a bit <laughs>
2: uh no doubt he he would literally roll out of bed and come in here and uh then have somebody go get him a cheese steak about two feet long pretty much every day and we didn't have quite as much food then as they have in the clubhouse now but uh it wouldn't have mattered. He was a junk food guy. He liked all that. But so he, obviously,
1: there's no nutritionists in 1993.
2: <laughs> <right>? <laughs> no, Organic food didn't make it into the clubhouse. None house. of that. They would they would have probably beat the person up at the door and, <laughs> and thrown the food in the dumpster or something. Knowing those guys and right. some of the you know the superstitions. Well, I was going to say
1: with Lenny, like uh, Lenny especially, right? Like, did you have to get
2: like bats changed out and? Other things because of maybe if he was in a hitting slump. We could be here all day talking about Lenny Dykstra, but there are a few um, a few stories about him. One time he, he he ordered more bats than any any guy by far, and uh, one time two dozen bats came in that didn't have his signature on them. It was just printed on there, Lenny Dykstra. Hmm. But the bats were outstanding wood. Great grain on them and everything. He wouldn't. He wouldn't even use them for batting practice. No, oh, I can't do it. Can't use them. You know. Well, just throw them away or give them away or whatever. I'm like, no. You know, we'll, we'll get you to sign them and use them for charity or something. We're not going to throw them away. But but he would uh, literally wear a pair of batting gloves for every at bat. And at the time, the company he was with they had all different color combinations like red and white and all red and red and gray and red and blue. So you had to be stocked up. If we went on the road, we would have to. I would have a trunk and there would be one drawer in the trunk for batting gloves for the whole team and one drawer of batting gloves for Lenny. And I can't tell you how many times that he'd go like three for four and the next day he'd walk in and he'd just look at me and say, Red and blue, dude, as if I didn't think about it all night long. All right. Knowing that he got three hits wearing red batting gloves with blue trim, and and I'd, I'd see Dalton, like, fixing his socks or something. He'd look up and he'd go, let me guess, red and blue. <laughs> Even the players were on it. You know, they do.
1: Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, uh, especially when you give them a tour to the clubhouse, um, Who are you responsible for putting people – uh, with you know players next to each other, the club out their lockers next to each other. Like I know '93, everyone obviously macho row, and he had you know Dutch had the corner locker. Then I think there's an empty stall. How does how does the order of of lockers work?
2: Well, it's it's kind of a seniority thing. I mean, obviously when we moved over here, you know, guys that were with uh, uh, you know with us at the vet, then. We let them choose their locker first, you know, the 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 holdover players, but it typically seniority and then there's some adjustment, you know, by the players if they want a certain guy over there or if we pick up a guy in a trade and they wanna make him next to them or you know, that kind of thing. You know, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, well you know what, we're gonna take a little
0: break, Frank. We're gonna come back, we're gonna ask you some more questions. I know uniform numbers and guys who trade for uniform numbers and uh uh, some other things that uh, we can bring up, uh, and I think we we'll have think to talk John, about that Colorado trip. Yeah, the Colorado trip, and there might be some trivia for you too, Frank. John has uh, been been questioning all our guests, and, uh, and I'll, I'll and make it e- I'll make it easier them. than Dave Raymond's yeah, quiz. Dave <laughs> Raymond last week didn't do so well. All right, well I'll do my best. But we'll take a little break. We'll be right back right after this. Toyota brings you the Reese Hoskins starting lineup collectible figure, free to all kids fourteen and under. Sunday, May 27th at 1.35 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Order tickets now at phillies.com.
2: And
0: we are back, Phillies Backstage, with Frank Hovenbarger. We're talking about uh, all his duties, as equipment manager, and later became the traveling secretary, which uh, that part of the job, Frank, to me, probably seem the most stressful right when you're the, in charge of the travel you're now talking about i'm hoping that the planes are on time i'm hoping the buses are there when we get there and i hope when we get to the hotel room at three o'clock in the morning we have all the rooms so we can get these guys in and I, security that, and that probably led to some sleepless
2: nights for you right oh yeah my my uh the one thing that used to wake me up in the middle of the night was i'd get this nightmare that i had left all the meal money back in philadelphia and i'd wake up and i'd be in my bed in new jersey we weren't even on the road <laughs> that would be a little detail that would be a big problem
0: if you left the meal money no, back i at used home.
2: to leave signs all over my briefcase <laughs> and my desk and computer and everything to make sure i didn't forget it thankfully i never did
0: well, that whole idea of uh, I mean, have you ever had a time where uh actually, I think there was a rain we got there was a rain issue was it Boston where uh, they wanted you to stay an extra day because the makeup game was going to be the next day, but and you guys already checked out already I checked out of the hotel or
2: uh, well, we had a couple of those we yeah. we played yeah, we played a game on a Sunday in Boston, and um, I don't know, I'd say it was about eleven thirty in the morning. Pat Gillick walks up. He was our GM at the time and says, uh, I think they're going to call it. And uh, I, I would have loved to have seen the look on my face because there was all the luggage had already been loaded. At You know, we checked out all the rooms, all the luggage had been loaded on a truck. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, they called it. So now all the guys are getting ready to get in the shower and they're like, what do we do? I didn't have an answer for him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to need. Where a few- are we going to sleep tonight? I'm going to need a few minutes. You know, it's one thing for one person, but when you're talking about sixty, that, that's a lot. So um, we got we got lucky there. You know, the hotel couldn't take us back. Of course, that's the way that always starts. That kind of stuff, and then we. Um, we got uh, uh, rooms across the street at another hotel, and the hotel that we originally stayed at went over and kind of helped uh, with the check-in process, and and we dodged the bullet. And, and about a month later, same thing happened, and we were in New York, but uh, that time I was ready, and uh, the hotel could could help us, so... You never know about the weather, you know, and the the postseason. Uh, well, I was gonna say postseason's
1: even worse, right? Because you have all the traveling parties and like Tampa. Imagine you being your job for the Tampa Rays when we had that Game Five. When a lot of the hotel they, didn't didn't Tampa have to stay out in Wilmington?
2: They, they did. did. Yeah, they did. And yeah. in fact, I got Pat Gillick again called me to the umpires' room, and I walked in there not knowing what to expect. And you know, there's Commissioner Seelig and all the umpires and and all these league officials, and there's the, the Tampa Bay general manager, and, and and they're introducing me to him, and they have nowhere to stay. Now all of a sudden, you know, here, we're at home. I'm not thinking about hotels. And, you know, I'm all of a sudden uh, right in the middle of trying to help the, the Rays out and in, in finding, you know, a lot of rooms, well over 100 rooms. And, and uh, unfortunately, uh, October – while it's always World Series Month, it's always Convention Month in the United States. So uh, they ended up at the DuPont out in Wilmington.
0: Hmm. And uh, how about even I know airplane rides, uh, bus rides, train rides? When we play in New York and Washington, do we take a train? Do we take a bus? What, what, how do we get to this? Well, we local... bus
2: to New York because uh, you know door-to-door it's just a little bit faster. It's not that far to New York. Uh, we do train. Uh, to Washington and to and from Washington, or if it's like New York to Washington, we'll take a train. Yeah, because and our, it's a chartered train, so it's not it's, just okay. A car. So it's a charter. So you, yeah, so it's the, just the
0: team on the train. There's no other yeah. passengers. That's no, pretty. They, that's a good way to go.
2: Huh? They love that. The guys really like that a lot. Well, you know, I when, know
0: in two, 2015, because I know when the Pope uh, <laughs> yeah. was here, uh, didn't, wasn't there a problem trying to get back from Washington? Parking around here. Right? Well,
2: not only that, but the downtown zone where you know the the biggest events were being held was, was basically closed down. And we were concerned that, A, we couldn't get hotel rooms for our, our guys that were like September call-ups. You know, where would they stay? And, B, they couldn't even get there. So we, uh, we opted to stay another night in Washington after, after the series was over with uh, and then come in the next day after after the Pope had left town.
0: Is there a little bit of bitching and moaning that goes on when that happens, uh, or do you hear a little bit of that? No. Well, <laughs> uh, some, but you but it's know, it's the
2: Pope. Come on, right. what are you going to do? Know, you, you you just got to lay it out there for him, you know, and yeah. explain it. You know, I think I think the hardest stuff is the postseason because it's uncertain. You don't know when you're leaving, and 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 maybe not even where you're going. Like for somebody like me, you know, I think back to '08. You know, we knew we were going to be in the World Series, but we didn't know where the World Series was Mm -hmm. going to start. Okay, well, I gave two itineraries out, one if it was Boston and one if it was Tampa. And, you know, I was sitting at home watching the the Rays and the Red Sox. I got two huge stacks of paper on my coffee table, and I'm I'm literally on the phone like every other inning. You know, the score changes. Well, you know, checking on the bus in Boston or the – you know the the truck in Tampa. Did and that game go seven uh, or that series go seven? Yeah, it oh, did. So it was the game seven. Yeah, that. Okay. so you know it's. When it was finally over, it, I was glad I could just throw one big stack of paper away. It was like the weight of the world <laughs> yeah. off. Well,
0: know? I remember uh, we went down, you know, the, we chartered the plane uh, with all the employees, and I remember sitting on the beach in Clearwater with all our employees, which was so cool. You know, everybody uh, some some of our employees had never been down there. They were like, you know, we could be in Boston right now where it's about 25 degrees or, you know, we're here in beautiful Clearwater and it's about 80 degrees. I think yeah.
1: most of us were rooting for Tampa at that point. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we were. Now, Frank, what happens when, when uh, some employees uh, getting a little trouble on on some of your road
2: trips. Uh, well, in Colorado. <laughs> well, what what would happen then is uh, I would. In fact, that particular trip, open well, um, up the back door of the plane, John, and out you go. Right. We
1: might
0: as well just tell this. Should we tell the story, Frank?
1: You want me to? You want me to yeah, you lead can, us into
2: it. You can tell your version, then I'll tell the truth. <laughs> there <right>. you go.
1: <laughs> well, we're not going to tell Debbie Nacido's version because we all know that's a falsehood, but. Frank if, if Now Frank, I think you didn't talk to me for 5 years, so I'm glad you're come on the show today. I'm I'm glad I'm glad time has healed all wounds because this is probably uh, 1990 What what year? is it was it was one Francona of the
2: first was the manager, yeah. so yeah. it's
1: probably the late 90s. Late yeah. 90s. All right. So 97 98. The 90. team had lost probably 9 games in a row. So it's not going well. Terry Francona is the manager. We go out to Colorado. It's one of the first years of of Coors Field and uh the the, the there's plane delay the, on the flight out there we sat on the runway for 3 hours and so we already when we got in the game was already canceled first game was canceled so we had to have a day night doubleheader because again this is this is all kind of new in baseball because with the new stadiums you had to have a day night you couldn't have your traditional doubleheader because you're just going to lose revenue you can sell out two separate games so the players agreed to a day-night doubleheader that the first game is going to start at 12, which means the players would have to get to the game at, what, like 8 o'clock in the morning, right? 8 or 9. Right? nine. Yeah. So we go to the game. Frank gets us tickets, like he gets all the employees. I'm sitting with Debbie Nacido, who's now our head of alumni, uh, but she was in charge of sponsors, I guess, or worked with sponsors. Paul Muller, who's our biggest sponsor, Toyota, and his wife were on the trip. So really it was the four of us. And first game we're up in the rock pile and we're having bloody marys and watching the game and there's a 3 hour delay between the first game and the second game. So we decide to go into Lodo district and, and have some fun with with the sponsor and his wife. So we go into Lodo district, we're having some fun, we're in a place called Dick Slash Resort and I think at that point we we figured out that we're probably not going to make it to the second game. Dennis Mannion, who's the one who hired me, is now working out in Colorado. He's going to have a barbecue. So I think we made a decision at some point that we're going to go to this barbecue. So Debbie Nacido comes up to me and says, hey, we're not using our tickets. There's these two nice gentlemen over here with long hair. They're school teachers. They're really nice. Do you think we can give them the tickets? And I said, I said, Deb, they're not going to be able to get the tickets. They're going to need ID and they don't, they're, not, they're under my name. She says, oh, just give me your card. And, and so I said, "Well, no." I so said, "She brings him over there, and I'm talking to myself. Oh, well, here's my card. If it works, it works. But if it doesn't, now I told a different story to Frank that night. But but anyway, so that what happens is Frank, and 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 what what happened that that night, Frank? Is I wasn't at the second game. What happened that
2: second game? So I'm about the second or third inning, uh, the bat boy comes in and says, uh, "Terry Francona wants to talk to you." So the game's going on. So I go down there. He goes. And he wasn't very happy, and he's a pretty uh, easygoing guy. And he says, who are these people right here in the, in the club box right next to the dugout?
1: Frank gave us great seats.
2: And, and I said, yeah. And I said, well, I don't have any idea. I looked out there, and these three mountain men were sitting there in the <laughs> dugout, uh, basically in the dugout. And I said, they're not supposed to be there. That's supposed to be Debbie Nacito. That's supposed to be John Brazier. That's Jerry Clothier. (laughs) That's his wife. I still remember all the people that were on that trip, actually. (laughs) And so I said, uh, they, they can't have tickets. He says, oh, yeah, we already tried that. They have tickets. So I'm like, I know who I put in those seats. Exactly. So, the light bulb so, went off. So, so, let me, I'll take, have... so I'll
1: take over. So they, that game, they get shut out. So right. again, we'd already lost nine games. We had the three-hour delay. Mm. We got the day-night doubleheader. They've been there all day. They get shut out in the second game. They're getting screamed at by these three mountain men that mm. were... that. And they have my, they had my card. They still right. had my card on. So I am basically the guilty and party. And they were screaming no, at the No,
2: actually, they didn't have your card no, Brad anymore. Brad Mills got the card, right? I found your card. Because I went down to the Mystery window. <laughs> I went down to the ticket window to to ask about these tickets, and the guy said, "You know, the, there's this guy came up and he handed us this business card, and I looked. It said John Brazier, director of fun <laughs> so and games. So now I am I am enemy number
1: one. All right. So. The next Sunday I'm oblivious to all this. So Sunday I'm fly- I got to go to the game and I'm flying back w- with the team to San Francisco. Debbie and everyone else is leaving. So if, uh, Debbie sees me in the middle of the game. She says uh, she sees me in the stand and she says fine go meet me in the concourse i can't be seen with you so i said what are you talking about he says you're in trouble i can't be seen with you so i go in the concourse and, and deb i said what's the matter he says the tickets you gave i said i gave you 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 were the ones that wanted those guys to have the tickets well they're they were bad and they started screaming into the dugout and they're yelling at terry franconer they're cursing and everything they're, they're they're ready everyone wants to kill you i said deb I, what, oh my god i can't believe this happened so next thing you know i had to wait again i'm getting on the flight with the whole team I figured that the person that I'm most scared of, other than Frank, of course, was uh, Vuk. Right? He had the Serbian temper. Of and course. Love Vuk, but, but you didn't want to be on his Brilliant bad side. Brilliant
2: deduction, right there. <laughs> yeah. So and
1: I was tight. Ty- I was very close with Bonnie, his wife. So I said, if I if I stand real close to Bonnie, that there's no way he can kill me that badly. <laughs> so- so, sure enough, Vuk comes out. Well, Frank comes out and yells at me first. And then Vuk comes out, and Vuk literally had his – Remember, like oh, when the he got, would come yes, out Yes, when neck. he'd yell yeah. at the umpires. That's what he had. And he literally said he was going to rip my throat out. If Bonnie wasn't there, <laughs> he would have ripped my throat already. Terry Francona <laughs> couldn't even look at me. Brad Mills said, you disgust me. I had to take a whole flight to San Francisco with literally the whole team hating me. Uh, and it probably took about five years. Uh, well, <laughs> five for, for, years? First of all, on that road trip, too, several other people, oh. including yourself, got in a little trouble, but it took I think five years before Frank Vuk, Terry Francona, and Brad Mills would talk to me. And the funny thing is now, whenever I see Terry Francona, he always would say, hey, Brady, you, you, have you been on a Colorado trip lately? <laughs> <laughs> He's got unbelievable memory. He really does. Uh-huh. He's like well, an elephant.
2: Yeah, they... they- they were pretty unhappy with you, John. You changed
1: you change the travel. And, and the best part is, again, you got in trouble, Tom. I won't go into why. Tom uh, Scott Braneth got in trouble. And sure enough, two days later, after that road trip, we get a letter from someone, that Susan Ingersoll, who was working up in baseball ops, that said uh, there's a new tra- employee travel policy.
0: They changed the whole
1: travel policy because of
0: <laughs> me, you, and several well, other I people. don't know what you're talking about, John. I thought that was all you on that trip. I do remember one time. Frank getting a little. Uh, you, actually, you didn't get mad at me, Frank. You got mad at the fanatic when we went to Tokyo for the first time, and it was for the uh, Japanese um, uh, All All-Star Star Series. Game. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
2: right. That's uh, twenty years ago, ninety eight.
0: Is that what it was? Ninety eight. Yeah. Yep, ninety eight. You were the equipment manager for the uh, the uh, MLB All star
2: Now, Frank, but,
1: how could you get mad at the fanatic?
2: Right. Well, <laughs> <She's> lovable. <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened, but uh, we were in the uh, we were in the <laughs> in the Tokyo Dome and it was like the first game of the series or whatever and uh, the dugouts (laughs) over there are like three rows it's like a choir almost like a choir uh, loft and so I was in the dugout and and they're gonna do the introductions and I was gonna be the first one to run out there you know there's like 55,000 people in this stadium and, and what are you wearing? You're wearing like a... I had like a... Thank God I had on dark blue pants <laughs> okay. and a Phillies golf shirt, okay. thankfully. All right. So, the, normally here in the United States, they do the introductions down the third baseline line, the first baseline. Well, in, in Japan, the first guy goes out to second base, and they start working their way to the foul line. So, you know, we were the visiting team. So, we were first... I was the first person out on the field. Well, a couple minutes before that, the fanatic is out there in front of the major league dugout, and and he's clowning it up for the fans and the players. And all of a sudden, he gives the sign to the player. And he sees me in the back, and he gives the sign to the players, and they kind of spread out. And he pulls out this super soaker and soaks me perfectly right in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> And, so, <laughs> and you had to stand out there oh, for yeah. a good 15 minutes? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So now it's time to do the introductions. Thankfully, they weren't like khaki pants or something. So they, they call my name, and I run out there, and he's out there between the mound and, and shortstop area, and he's like high-fiving everybody, and I'm calling him every name in the book. Yeah, you are. And of course, nobody else in this entire stadium could even understand what we were saying, anyway. But, <laughs> but it, it was it was quite memorable. It was the only reason
0: I pa- packed that Super Soaker because I knew Frank was going to get introduced <laughs> for the games. I, I I was totally waiting for him, but it wasn't me, Frank. What am I talking about? It was the fanatic, of course, who did it. It wasn't me. So uh, yes, and I, I just remember. You know what? I remember from that. Frank He said, "You know what?" I, case you travel with with costumes. Not, never making it back home. I'm throwing it into the Pacific Ocean. there go, going be some flying. sushi
2: in there. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you got some raw fish swimming in there after that case has been in the Pacific Ocean. I uh, couldn't do it though. Hey, uh, before you leave, you know, uh, Frank or uh, John, we're going to do you want to do the uh, Phillies Challenge? We're wanna about do to wrap it up. Yeah, All right. Well let's, well, let's go to the uh, Phillies Challenge because right. I, know, I know you got some um
1: Frank, we find an area of for expertise for everybody. So mine was, as I mentioned before in the last program, uh, Uh, I was one-hit wonders, right? Tom Burgoyne uh, had memories of Fanatic Trivia. Uh, Of course, Dave Raymond told me that he loves old films, so I gave him an old films uh, trivia. Now, I figured you've traveled a lot, obviously being the traveling secretary. You've been to pretty much, I I bet you've been to almost every state uh, or a lot of states, right?
2: A lot of them. Yeah. Not all of
1: them. so, So. I'm assuming that if you've been to almost all the states, you would know your state capitals. So I've got, Uh-oh. I've got, I've got five st- state <laughs> got capitals. Five state capitals for you. I'll and do Tom, my best. Tom, failed. Tom, Tom tell them, the Hey, uh, you only have to win 80 percent, right? So if you get four of five, uh, you win. And you're, I think you're going to win because it's a fanatic related. We have a solar panel, uh, or don't we have a solar uh, bobble Belly coming up, fanatic? Uh,
0: no, that was last year, John. So that was, oh, yeah, that's right. The Liberty
1: Bells this year. We we'll yeah, get two
0: so.
2: of these blackberries that are but, sitting there
0: on the couch. But Frank said he passed uh, geometry, so she'll, he should be fine with these questions.
1: Yes, we will. We will. Get, oh God, geometry. I'll, I will get. I, I will get you. Uh, since since it happened, it, it, is there a Dick's Last Resort from uh, in Philadelphia? Because that's where the crime, of the scene happened in Philadelphia. No, there's not. Frank, I will I will take care of you as payback for for the trouble that i gave you how many years ago all right here we go first one is an easy one because you're you know you're close there missouri the capital of missouri jefferson city jefferson city see it's not that it's not that hard frank you got it you're (laughs) one for one you're one for one all right now you said you grew up not too far from springfield illinois right now that's springfield is uh isn't that the home of the simpsons was it? Was The Simpsons? Was Springfield. Springfield. Somewhere. But we don't know. Spring, we don't there know what there's lots of Springfield. There's there a Springfield,
2: Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what, Spring,
1: what state Springfield's a st- uh, capital of? Illinois. Illinois. That is correct. All right. How about the capital of? I think I told you in that question. What is your two for two? How about the capital of Minnesota? Okay, Minnesota. Capital of Minnesota. Do 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 do. Come on.
2: St. Paul. St.
1: Paul's correct. Oh. Frank, you are three for three. Fire. All right. This is this. going to go easier than hard. Okay. Uh, you you got to think of your boy Vuk and Boa. Uh, capital
2: of California. Sacramento. Yeah. Sacramento's
1: correct. All right. You are going to get be the first one to go five for five. Because uh, I went four and a half for five. True. Right. You
2: didn't get so all five. So
1: you get five for five. You get this one. It's a little hard, but uh, I'm sure you probably went on a uh, road trip to Detroit to watch the Tigers. What is the capital of Michigan? If you get this Frankie, you're the only one to go 5 for 5 and we'll be very impressed. Hmm. So, capital of Michigan. I believe Derek Jeter might be from uh no, he's no. Derek Jeter's not from here. Don't He's from Kalamazoo. So, don't don't uh, think Derek Jeter. All right. Capital of Michigan. I mentioned Detroit, could be Detroit, could be not looking not looking Detroit. No other uh, hints. All right, here comes the answer. I'm
2: thinking here. Just let me think about it okay. for a minute. I'm gonna say Lansing. Five, five for five, five, for five. Frank, Frank nailed it, right? <laughs> What's he winning? Josh? How
1: about that? He wins two yeah. blackberries. He wins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, two blackberries. We have in a cup, right there for you. But Frank, we'll have some giveaways and some parting gifts for you.
2: <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> yeah, you, good no luck. No clock radio or anything like they used
0: to give out. <laughs> the check is in the mail, Tom. You know
1: we got to come up with we got to come up with a a, a prize that's a uh, a common prize we give everybody. You know, I'll get you some Astros chocolates. I know somebody in that,
0: in that line of work. I know somebody. Yeah. You know, and we were talking, before we let you go, because I was talking about uniform numbers. I know that was one of your jobs, right? Dolling out uniform numbers. and uh, But then, yes. of course, then it's the players that get involved in that, right? It,
2: well, yeah. I mean, you know, when, when the guy gets called up from the minor leagues, you don't have time to call him on the phone and ask him what number they want, and it may not be available anyway, so you try to select something that sort of fits the position and then some more often than not the player is so excited to see their first uniform their first big league number that they want that forever but not always so some guys want to change to something they had in high school or college or you know maybe it's their favorite number or whatever so but what happens when in. a
1: veteran comes in who has his own number and they come in and, and a young player has that number on the team then they, yeah, that's then, they when the bartering then they start
2: bartering. Out. Do you get involved in that? I uh, I don't get in I never got involved in the bartering. I would put the players in touch with each other and let them work it out in a case like that. You know, if it was a player that had some, you know, significant major league experience and he wanted his old number, I would say, "Okay, well, you know, we have a guy wearing that number." And normally the player would immediately say, well, I, I'll be glad to take care of the guy or I want—I really want my number. I'm, I'm going to do something really nice for him. You know, I'm thinking, well, how about me? I'm the one doing all the yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, you're the guy. But anyway, you know, we put the players in touch with each other. I mean, is
0: it a case of beer,
2: or does it get, get it, or do you see some things? Uh... I told Cruck. I know you're talking about John Kruk. Well, he was all over the place. Mitch Williams, yeah. So I, I told Kruk, I said, you know, I, I'd have bought you ten cases of beer to say no, because it was like every other month he had a different, a different number, number there for yes. a couple of years. But, but uh, no, it's more than that. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a nice watch or a trip somewhere or it could be a lot of things. Yeah, and I
0: know you also have to be careful with uh, – and you're sensitive to the fact that if we had a, a really great player and even looking at the 2018, you know, Rollins and, uh, you know, Cole Hamels or, uh, you know, um, Chase, Ryan I'll, Howard. I'll give you a story about Utley.
2: Uh, Utley, about three years into his career, called me uh, – well, he actually talked to me before the season ended – and said, I think I'd like to change my number. And I said, all right, well, if you want to change it for you know next year, we'll, we'll go ahead and change it. And so he, I said, what number do you want? And he said, number seven. So we sent the list to Majestic, who made, made, still makes the uniforms for the Phillies, and they saw it, and immediately red flag went up come to find out there were thousands of Chase Utley jerseys even at that time all over the the northeast and they were like really hopeful that he wasn't going to change his number so i remember having a conversation with dave buck and realizing you know the magnitude of it and so i called chase back and told him what i had found out and and he decided to to just let it ride and uh, look, looks what, look what happens. Now he's twenty six everywhere. Yeah, twenty six, and anyway. he'll always be twenty six. So, yeah, good, you know. good stuff. Well, well, Frank, welcome. I've
1: got one last question, then you can wrap up. Uh, have you
2: forgive me? Oh, if, this is official. <laughs> so I, I, have absolution right here. All right. If I can forgive Kruk and be buddies with him, I can forgive anybody. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, Brad Mills and
0: uh, Terry Francona is <laughs> still you're you're still in the doghouse, John. You know, still in the doghouse. Hey, Frank, this has been fun. Uh, thanks so much for being here. It's, it's always great uh, walking down memory lane with you. Uh, so glad, uh, you know, hopefully you don't have quite as much stress now. That, um, very little. Jamison Hall, we have to give a shout-out to yeah. Jameson, who's uh, kind of taken over a lot of your responsibilities. But uh, I know he relies on you every day and, uh, you know, all the advice that you give him.
2: Well, he's a very respectful person, great guy. He's going to do a great job. Uh, you know, it's just – it's a lot to learn in a short period of time. And, you know, a lot of the job is just experiencing bad things and good things. and. Trying to figure out how to do it, he's going to do. He's going to do just fine. Yeah, no doubt. I got a great job. I can just kind of suggest <laughs> things to him, but then he has to go do them. So <laughs> suck it. It's way easier. <laughs> uh,
0: all good, Frank. Thanks again for being all right, here. Thanks, Frank. All right, John. Thanks, uh, we're going to sign off, and uh, I guess we're going to be back next week uh, with another edition of Philly's Backstage. All right, thanks, Tom. All right, thanks, and we'll see everybody at the ballpark.
2: Backstage.